Welcome on into another episode of Betting the High Line, your go-to sporting destination for all of your soccer betting action each and every week here on the Book It Sports Network. I'm your host, Thomas Viola, joined as always by my faithful compatriot from down in Colombia. It is Taylor Wilson. Taylor, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, very mixed international break for my, uh, I guess, two homelands, U.S. and Colombia. The Colombians getting just completely shelled in both of their games over the international break. U.S., much better news with that great 6-2 win, seeing some of those kids. We're not going to talk too much about international break, but I'm still smiling about that U.S. game, Tom. Oh, I am too. We, we, won't, we won't stick on it for too long because we have so much to get to today, but... I am really excited. Everything that I saw out of the U.S. is what I wanted to see out of this team coming into these games. I think that we have a really strong foundation, and for the first time in a very long time, my hopes are higher than they've ever been, to be quite frank. Very excited for this team. But first, we really do have to get into it. We have so much to get to today because international break has come and gone. The Premier League is back in action. We have some place for that. but also. MLS playoffs starting up this week. Games kick off on the 22nd, and this episode is going to be your guide to betting the first round, betting the futures market, and we have a very special guest joining us for the first time ever on betting the high line, Ali Trost, going to join us later on here in the show to talk about Sporting Kansas City. But before we get into all that, let's break down some of the biggest Premier League games of the week and the ones we like the most Taylor, let's start off, number one, the teaser, the appetizer to this main course, Newcastle versus Chelsea. What are you looking at there? Newcastle currently a 575 dog. The draw is going to get you plus 350, and Chelsea, a little bit of a prohibitive minus 215 favorite. I'm guessing you're looking somewhere at the totals, but I could be wrong. Not at the totals. I am looking at Chelsea, although not at the money line. There's Uh, a reason, Tom, those numbers are where they are. Newcastle is much worse than Chelsea. What have I said all year, at least for the last month plus about this Chelsea team? We need to see them do it against the bigger boys. Newcastle, they're not the bigger boys. This is a fine matchup for Chelsea. I like them on the goal line here. Looking at Chelsea in the last few games, last four on the trot in all comps, They've won by three goals or more. They've beaten better teams than Newcastle by those margins in that span as well. Minus one and a half goals. You get them at plus 133 on DraftKings. I like that price for Chelsea to basically just keep doing what they've been doing recently. Newcastle also the fifth worst expected goals against average in the league. Chelsea the fourth best expected goals and the most goals scored. So you're talking about a great attack against a bad defense. You can think about the over. I saw where your head was at there, Tom, as well, um, you know, with both of those matchups in play. But I like Chelsea minus a goal and a half. I'm a fan of that play. I think that this Chelsea team has the offensive firepower to put up three goals in this game. Uh, Maybe a 3-1 scoreline is something that I could see, which is still going to get you there. But that does sound very, very much like what that, – that, that sounds like a very realistic bet. I'm a big fan of that, getting plus money. I think I'm going to follow you there on that. I don't really have too many plays here in the Premier League this week because my focus has just entirely been on this round of MLS playoffs. I love the numbers that we're going to be able to get, and we will talk about that in just a bit. But first – Let's move on to the second game on the docket. You want to talk about a team that is hurting right now and a matchup that, frankly, they probably don't want at the moment. Really, everything that I'm saying 
at the beginning of the season, if I had been describing this match this way, you would have thought, oh, okay, this is naturally going to be Team X and Team Y that he's talking about when I say Liverpool goes to play Leicester in a battle of a banged-up team versus a team at the top of the table. You'd be thinking Leicester's got to be that banged-up team. But here we are. Leicester sits at the top of the table this week, and Liverpool in dire straits now. They lost even more firepower over the weekend. Yeah, I, you know, I have several Liverpool fans in my life, and boy, do they hate international breaks more than pretty much anyone I know. Constantly losing players. This time around, they lost Mo Salah to coronavirus in Egypt. They lost Joe Gomez to injury. Uh, you, you know, I don't, they're going to have to play some, some beach chairs back there on the back line with all the injuries they have to the defense. Um, a couple of interesting plays here looking at the numbers. I think the first one you have to consider is the over. You know, you can pick kind of what number of goals you want. I personally like over three and a half. I know it's a huge number, but you get a plus 148 price on that for a Leicester team that on their day can give up some goals. And this Liverpool team, I think will give up a ton. Uh, I could totally see a 2-2 in this. I think Leicester at plus 280 is incredible value considering all of those injuries you mentioned. But at the same time, you know, I, I could kind of see Liverpool using this as a rallying cry. Leicester may be missing the opportunity. Um, I'm probably going to avoid the Leicester move and instead just take a total. I wouldn't hate if you said, oh, I would rather take three and a quarter or three to get less value, um, but a safer play. But I'm going to go over three and a half, needing four total goals in this game with, again, basically no one healthy on the Liverpool defense. Uh, and I get plus 148 on that. I think I'm with you on that play. I like the over three and a half as well. That was the number that I that my, I instantly was drawn to over on DraftKings. Again, most of the time, unless otherwise specified, our numbers are going to be coming from DraftKings simply because they offer such a huge betting menu that's more widely available than some of the numbers that we could get in Vegas. And we don't really want to use offshore due to the less than stellar reputations of some of those books. Uh, full disclosure, DraftKings does not pay us for this. They are in no way affiliated with the show. These are just the lines that we've been able to find that work best for us. Uh, the over three and a half, getting plus 150 at DraftKings, I, I like that a lot. And I'm with you, I might sprinkle something on Lester. The plus 280 number is just a little bit too juicy to give up. Maybe thinking about the draw, which is also at plus 280, so... You know, you're kind of caught halfway there. You're not getting any better value on either side. But I, I, I'm i with you. It wouldn't be a full unit play on Leicester, but they're the side that I'd want to have action on in this game, even though Liverpool's probably going to come out with a – I just don't think that they're going to be able to come out with a huge rally. I, I think that they, they've finally lost too much to the point where this is a game against what is a very, very competent Leicester team. and. I think this could be one where they actually drop. Yeah, part of the issue here, and I often say uh, a lot of these numbers don't move enough uh, after the lineups are announced. So if you want to wait to see what the Liverpool 11 is, because there's still a few players that have that big Q next to them, you know, questionable. Um, yeah. We don't know if Thiago plays. If Thiago plays, he's not a defender, but he can play like one in the middle of the field, adding a lot of good work in defensive midfield. Um, but if all of those guys that we mentioned, Salah, Gomez, uh, Robertson, TAA, Jordan Henderson, if all of those guys don't play, I think you have to put something on Leicester. I mean, I use that same verb, sprinkle. You don't always have to use a full unit. You want to use a half unit. 
on Leicester. I think that makes sense on this price as well. So I might wait for the lineups on that, but I'm taking the total right now. Now let's move on. Third game on our we're hitting we're hitting a group of big three here in the Premier League. Not not a lot of action outside of those games, but we wanted to at least get a couple on this slate before we shift over to MLS. And the third one on that slate, Tottenham taking on Man City. City going to be a minus one twenty nine favorite. Tottenham a plus three twenty dog. The draw is going to get a plus three hundred flat over on DraftKings. What are you thinking here in this one, Taylor? Let's spell it out. V-A-L-U-E. Value, value, value. Spurs at plus 320. I just, look, at this point, you have to take them seriously. You have to take them seriously. Now, I said in the show last week that I'm probably not taking them on a future because this, to me, is panning out to be a Spurs in the title race conversation very deep into the season without actually winning the title. That's kind of where I'm at with Spurs right now. Now, the big caveat there is Harry Kane, Young men's son have to stay healthy the entire time. And that's a big if with both of those guys. But for now, those are the two best players on the pitch. And that's including guys like Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling. But the way that Son and Kane are playing for Tottenham these days, you have to say that their ceiling is higher than Manchester City's on any given day out there on the footy pitch. Um, so you get that kind of a price. Having said all of that, it's a fun manager battle with Mourinho versus Guardiola. I think it'll be a really fun game. Pretty even. Therefore, I have to take Spurs at around three to one. I just have to. You know, I'm torn because I, 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 I like Man City a lot, but not enough. Honestly, I might be leaning towards the draw in this game. I think that these teams are fairly even matched. I think that's, that's my crazy play here. Yeah, don't be afraid of the draw. I mean, one of the things you have to remember, especially in big games in the Prem more than anything, is the public doesn't love betting the draw. So that often doesn't move in the wrong direction in the same way that one of the sides of the game might. Yeah. Um, and, and this could totally end in a draw. I mean, the value is there. I, I don't dislike that play at all. Um, I'm kind of doing the same thing that I'm cursing the public for doing, where it's like, I just don't really want to bet the draw here. I want to have a rooting interest. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go Spurs. All right. I, I, I don't know. This is a game that I might even stay away from. I think it's going to be really fun. I, I think it's going to be really fun to watch. And I agree that the value is all on Spurs, but I don't think I'm personally going to make a play on this one. However, you do have one more personal play that we want to bring up before we get into, uh, into MLS here. Manchester United and West Brom. You said you got something crazy for us. What are you looking at? Taking the baggies. First win of the year is going to come at Old Trafford. You can get them plus 950. We talk a lot in this league about, hey, anyone can win any day. Often that's BS. I'm saying it's not BS here. This is the thing about Man U. You know, I have the same thoughts about Man U that I do about Arsenal. It's once you kind of start believing again, you have to throw that belief out. They took Everton down before the international break to kind of regain some confidence after a huge stumble in Turkey, after some other stumbles domestically as well. Um, West Brom, they're still searching for their first win of the year. There's also another wrinkle in this that Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford might not play for Manchester United. So if you want to wait for that lineup to make the play, by all means, do so. But I haven't faded Manchester United enough this season. So inconsistent. I think they could totally finish outside the top four. They could also finish third or fourth. Um, but I really love 
the crazy value on this. West Brom has to win eventually. People would say, why in the world would this be the game that they do? Um, but I'm going with it, man. Baggies plus 950, just as a screw it. Let's do it. Oh, we're up in the baggies here today. I'm in. I'm in. I got to follow you on that. Are you kidding me? That's going to be the most fun game to watch, especially if, can you imagine if they go up one nothing early and all of a sudden we're in action? I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> oh, man. I love that play. You said you had crazy. You did not under-deliver, my friend. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be real. Not one of the uh, best bets, but as I've said, I've been hitting a lot of these non-best bets in recent weeks, um, and I've kind of been teasing some different underdog plays that I don't actually take. This one I'm putting actual U.S. currency on and can't wait to lose it by four goals, but let's go. <laughs> All right, my friend, now it is time. Let's head across the pond back over to America to the land of the truly elite soccer league. It's time for some MLS playoff action. And in true MLS fashion, welcome on into MLS Playoffs 2020, where the rules don't matter and everything's made up. Let's take a look at some of the teams that we have here, starting off with, of course, the fact that we have 10 teams coming out of the East and eight teams coming out of the West. We've got two playoff games in the Eastern Conference, play-in games in the Eastern Conference, no play-in games in the West single elimination this year it feels like these playoffs the rules change every single season doesn't make much sense but that's why we love it (laughs) and we've got a lot of good teams here reading off real quick reading off the western conference going in order one you're from from your one seed to your eight you've got sporting kansas city stay tuned once again ali trost is going to be joining us in just a bit to talk about them in detail Then we've got the Seattle Sounders, the Portland Timbers, Minnesota United, the Colorado Rapids, FC Dallas, LAFC, and the San Jose Earthquakes. Meanwhile, on the eastern side, we have the Philadelphia Union, Toronto Toronto FC, Columbus Crew, Orlando City, NYC FC, New York Red Bulls, Nashville SC, the Revolution, the Montreal Impact, and rounding them off, Inter Miami, who I'm still not convinced is a real team. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun group, right? It's, uh, I, you know, this is the thing with MLS. Every single MLS Cup playoffs, as you say, the rules don't matter. Throw them out. Just enjoy as a neutral as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is the ultimate. You know, when you talk to a lot of these, like, Euro snob kind of soccer fans, people who, in England, for example, not to uh, disparage our, our English uh, folks across the pond, but they'll often say, oh, like the playoff, the idea of playoffs in, in the U.S., like it, it really makes the regular season irrelevant. And I always kind of like start to try to argue and then I'm like, uh, yeah, they're kind of right when it comes to a lot of what happens in MLS playoffs. Um, tons of upsets, a lot of open games, really hard to predict. Now, that means a couple of different things from a gambling point of view. It means um, not a ton of easy chalk, but it also means some really good opportunities where the books might have some misses. So we'll get into it, but I think there's some fun opening round games for sure. You're absolutely right. Betting MLS is like, is like you're better off taking your money to the roulette wheel because you're going to get better odds and you're going to have an easier time predicting what's going to happen. But right now, let's spin that wheel. Let's get the ball rolling and let's dive right in and see if we can't grab some of these games because you're right. There can be tremendous value on dogs in this league, and there can be tremendous value just all around. And personally, my hot take of MLS is it's the most watchable league on the planet. You have, sure, the, the, the actual play on the pitch, not 
comparable with the Premier League. But the the sheer fact that anything can happen, it is the most unpredictable league. The parity makes it so much more fun, and I absolutely love playoffs. I don't think it I don't think it makes the irregular season irrelevant. I think it makes just everything more exciting. <laughs> and that that that's what I love. That's what I love about this league. They do everything. They they tick off all the boxes for me, except they need to bring back the shootouts. But let's start with the playoff play in games we've got in the Eastern Conference. We're looking at the New England Revolution going up against Montreal Impact, the Fighting Thierry Henrys, and the draws at plus three forty. There, the Revolution are minus one ninety five favorites. Impact plus four sixty. Yeah, the um, value, obviously, with Montreal. Here's the thing. Revolution have won three of the four between them this year. Revs with the third best expected goals in the league. Montreal with the second worst expected goals allowed. The matchup does not favor Montreal. The numbers are where they are for a reason. Um, Now, having said all of that, if I was to take a play, it would probably be Montreal just because of where the numbers are at. I mean, plus 460 is insane for this league where, as we say, anything can happen. But I'm too scared to touch. That's a no touch for me. Um, I certainly would not recommend taking New England on a goal line, which is what immediately where my mind goes when I see a heavy money line favorite. It's like, oh, let's see what we can do on the spread. Nothing I like there. I probably wouldn't even take Montreal there. Um, if I'm going to do anything – I'm doing that pure roulette wheel plus 465 move. Um, but there's nothing in the analytics, nothing in what's happened this season between the two teams that would say that's a wise move. So <laughs> do what you want. I'm not touching it with money. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not touching this game with money either because it, I, I have to lean revolution the whole way through here. Their biggest problem going into these playoffs is their DPs suck. They yeah. G- Gustavo Boo, Adam Buxa, and Carl's guilt, they, they have not provided for this team at all. And that norm, that's not going to get you far in the playoffs, but the good news for them is they're going up against an impact team that is 3-9-1 with a minus 13 goal differential over the last two months. Now, Thierry Henry and company, they did play playoff teams in 10 of those 13 games, so they had to go through an absolute buzzsaw of a schedule, but – guess what? You're in the playoffs. You're playing against playoff teams here. I don't think their fortunes are going to improve at all. So it's just one of those games where if you want, if you want to sprinkle something on the impact, just because you're getting so much value there, go for it. But the revolution or the, the revolution of the side to be backing and the cost is too prohibitive. Yeah. You brought up an interesting point there, Tom, really quick, just so everyone, if you're like just now tuning into MLS this year, Um, because of the pandemic, it's been this super weird year where there was the MLS's back tournament in Orlando. Then the season came back kind of as planned with, you know, home and away games, no bubble, all that. But the scheduling, you brought this up, is super uneven because of all of the the shortened season and all that. So there are some teams that have had admittedly a harder schedule than others. It's something to look at when you're thinking about where to bet on these numbers. Yeah, you're completely right. It's, it's made things really weird. In fact, the Colorado Rapids played fewer games than every other team because they had that massive coronavirus outbreak in the middle yeah. of the season. Oh, yeah. It, 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 you've taken a league that's already bizarre and strange, and you just compound that with 2020, and it's become even more ridiculous. What's not ridiculous, though, is the way Nashville's been playing, and we actually end up getting them in the other play-in game in a battle of the – in a battle of the expansion teams, both of them making it to the playoffs 
in their first year, despite using very different strategies, Nashville going up against inter Miami and this Nashville team's a plus one fifty five, and they're the favorite here because Miami's plus one eighty five, and then the draws two fifteen. Draw, of course, over ninety minutes in these playoff games. They'll play to a winner, but you're just playing off the ninety minute, uh, the ninety minute result. What do you What do you like in here? Because I like Nashville a lot. Uh, I lean Nashville. This would not be one of my heaviest plays of the week either. Um, fun matchup. I mean, if you think about both of these teams before the season, as you say, expansion sides, the uh, expansion derby here, uh, you would have never expected Nashville to be in this position. You know, how they were building going forward. There was an expectation that they would take two or three years to get to this point. Inter-Miami was a slightly sexier pick to do something, I think, more than anything because of some of the international moves that they've made. They've now also brought in Gonzalo Higuain. Before that, had brought in Blaise Matuidi. This happens a lot where people who are maybe casual observers of MLS see the big stars who have, who have shined in Europe and think that that'll mean something. In Inter-Miami's case, it did mean something in these expanded playoffs. They were able to get in, but I like Nashville because of what they are structurally. Um, Walker Zimmerman, probably going to win Defender of the Year, uh, one of the best defensive players in this league. And, you know, they're pretty hot coming in as well. They had that crazy Orlando game coming into this where they were losing it 2-1 going into, I believe, stoppage time and won two and scored two goals right at the very end. Um, you're getting a decent enough price on them. I like Nashville. If you had told me before the year that I'm betting on Nashville in a playoff game, it, it would have been just insanity. But I think they're the better team than Inter. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. As I said, I, I think this is one of my favorite plays of the week just because of the fact that while the offense has struggled for Nashville, they play counterattacking football, and that normally helps you, especially in these single elimination tournaments like this. They can play spoiler to a couple teams. I think they're going to struggle down the stretch. They're not going to be able to go all the way, but this inner miami team, they barely hung on versus Cincinnati to make it into the playoffs. And the fact that you had to barely hang on versus Cincinnati to make it into the playoffs shows that you're not a very good team. Blaze Matweedy, they, they brought in Matweedy and Igua, Gonzalo Iguain in the mid in the midseason transfer window. And neither has really panned out. Matweedy looks very, very old out there in the midfield. He hasn't been able to be a truly dominant player. And Iguain's got one goal in 802 minutes so far. That's worse yeah. than Chicharito for the galaxy. Yep. Yeah, it's why you can't freak out about some. I mean, again, there are exceptions. You know, there's a Zlatan for every for every MLS bust as well, right? But there is often an overreaction of, whoa, like, look who it is. But this is a different league, man. And especially when you get up there in your twilight years of your career, MLS can be way tougher than a lot of these players realize. It really can be. And I, like I said, that it's it's a more physical league than they give it credit for. And a lot of players have met, have mentioned when they come over, they say, yeah, I was expecting to be able to run, run roughshod over these guys a lot more than I actually was because it turns out that the talent level can surprise some of these guys who aren't expecting it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, again, from an excitement point of view, this is probably the more exciting game just because these are two bizarre teams in a lot of ways, Nashville and Inter-Miami. Um, but I do think the gambling energy for me goes to Nashville. Now it's time to look at, to quote the Book of Mormon, Orlando. They're plus 143 versus NYCFC, who's a plus 160 dog. So very, very tight there. The book really not taking too much of a stance either way. And the draw plus 270. 
I like NYCFC a lot. They are the hottest team coming into these playoffs right now. Four wins in their last four, three losses in their last 17 games. Now the only drawback, they're going with an almost entirely second string attacking three. Yeah, that last stat you mentioned really uh, puts the point home at how hot they've been. Three losses in 17. Uh, I'm actually going against you on this one, though. I like Orlando plus 143. I say this as an Atlanta United fan who's supposed to hate Orlando um, completely. They have been a real joke in this league for some time in terms of the actual soccer on the field. And I think Oscar Pareja now has them playing with just some feistiness. They really are hard to play against. I go back to the game against Columbus a couple of weeks ago, really hard competitor, the Columbus crew, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, They're able to win that game 2-1 despite a red card to Nani. To me, that's symbolic about them moving on on, from over-reliance on Nani. They're able to get so many goals from Chris Moeller, uh, probably the best rookie in the league this year, and Daryl DK as well. I think the best player on this pitch would be for NYCFC if he played Maxi Morales. Um, But I like Orlando. As you said, the numbers are very, very tight. Plus 143 is good enough value for me, but we'll find out. You know, Orlando doesn't have a whole lot of experience in games like these. Um, NYCFC, they haven't been able to get over the hump this time of year either. It's going to be interesting to see who's able to get it done, but I'm going to go with Orlando. And this really is just one of those super close MLS unpredictable games. It could go either way. The books obviously see it the same way. But I think this is going to be one of the most exciting contests of the first round. This is a game that I can't wait to watch. Also, shout out to Evan Weston, personal friend of mine and the radio voice of Orlando City FC. But I will definitely be rooting against his guys in this one because I like New York here. Now let's head over across the Hudson to a team inaptly named the New York Red Bulls playing out of Newark, New Jersey, and they're going to go up against the Columbus Crew. Red Bulls plus 270, Crew minus 113, draw plus 275. Who do you like here? I am fading the fighting energy drinks heavily in this game. I like this Columbus team a lot. Don't love a minus price pretty much ever in the MLS Cup playoffs, but minus 113 is palatable enough. Um, I, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. I think Columbus has what it takes to potentially go on a deep run in this. I really like what Caleb Porter has done in terms of their system on that team. He's a guy who knows as well as anyone how to make deep runs in MLS playoffs. He's also won it all before. And the biggest part of that team this year has been Darlington Nagby. I say this as someone who cries about missing him all the time at Atlanta United. So good at the base of midfield, cleanup duty, good driving the attack forward. He is one of the best midfielders in all of Major League Soccer, and I think he could be instrumental in potentially a deep Columbus run. Um, We know what happens with the Red Bulls this time of year. Talking about a team that can't get over the hump, they're also in just kind of the midst of, of complete limbo right now in terms of their coaching situation fired manager Chris Armas in September brought in Gerhard Struber who has still not actually arrived at the club he's just going to take over next year so they have an interim manager right now all of that just spells chaos for me I like Columbus at a decent enough price look I, I don't like a minus price in MLS playoffs unless I you know do in this case but minus 113 is doable I'm taking Columbus yeah, you know, you're not laying juice if you're winning. That's the saying. And I'm, I'm 100% with you once again, just because of the fact, like you said, 
Red Bulls don't have a coach. They don't have a they, – they, they don't have a plan. This isn't a team that's playing well together right now. They've got talent deficiencies across the board. Everything about this game, I'm, I'm more than comfortable only laying minus 113 on Columbus crew here. They're a team that is poised to make a deep run, and I think that they are going to smash in this game. I think you could even look at them perhaps on a little bit of a goal line, but I'm always hesitant to take a goal line in MLS. That always freaks me out a little bit because the, the scoring can get unpredictable, and at any moment you could watch that go up in smoke. All right, Taylor, that's going to do it for the Eastern Conference matchups in the first round. Let's move over to the West. Top seed SKC going up against the Quakes, but we're going to push that one for just a couple minutes because we have Ali Trost joining us in just a little bit to break that game down and break down this SKC team, which is probably one of the bigger questions that we really have going into these playoffs and we'll get to that in just a few minutes with her but right now let's skip on down to the land of a thousand lakes minnesota united going up against the colorado coronavirus rapids minnesota plus 114 the draw plus 320 and the rapids plus 205 dogs what are you thinking do you like the loons kind of do i wish i could get a little bit more value on them um, uh, defensively is really where I look with them. They're able to get clean sheets as well as anyone in this league. Um, I don't know if this is going to be one of my big plays of the week, just because I, you know, I'm preferring to look at better value in MLS cup playoffs. Um, but I do lean Minnesota United. I, you know, it's been such a weird season for Colorado in what is a weird league and a weird year, maybe they would be able to get something done here. But I like Minnesota United. They can score goals as well, guys like Kevin Molino. Um, but it really all starts and ends with that defense. It really does. And this team, the, I, I think the biggest thing to watch, I like the, as it stands right now, I like the Rapids in this game. Uh, you're getting plus 205, which is a decent amount of value. And Minnesota's going to be shorthanded. They're going to be missing their right back, Romain Metanier. Uh, their center mid, John Gregus, their winger, Robin Lode, and the biggest one, Kai Kamara, all out for this game. That is a very bad sign for this team. However, this, this, there's a little bit of news that really is going to change things up. This is going to be the wrinkle, and so I don't want to make a bet on this before game time. Kai Kamara made it home from Sierra Leone this week. As a matter of fact, yesterday, we're recording on Thursday here, his trip back from Sierra Leone for international call-ups included a speeding motorboat ride to the airport to catch a chartered flight back to Minnesota so that he can qualify to play in Sunday's playoff game because of COVID restrictions and quarantine regulations. He's one of, four, he's one of the four loon starters that I just mentioned that are going to be missing because of a nine-day quarantine period upon returns. But they might be able to get all back thanks to chartered flights. And that's really going to be what you have to watch for. If this Minnesota team is at full strength, take the loons all the way. I'm going to be with you on that play. If these players do not qualify to play, then I'm going to lean Colorado. Yeah, this has been something to keep an eye on. Of course, naturally, these games are happening after an international break during a global pandemic where guys are flying all around the world. Other teams are doing the charter flight thing, too, um, with mixed results because some positive tests are coming in anyway. 
And some of those guys and some of these other games we're about to talk about won't be able to play. But that's a great point. Um, fully healthy, I, I do go Minnesota. Or fully in the, in the squad, I go Minnesota. It's complete peak MLS that some teams might be able to get these players back and others won't, just depending on scheduling and how they were able to pull that off. That is, like, that, that is such a problem, and I'm wondering if there's going to be a ruling about it later on. But for, for now, that's what you have to wait on. Now, let's go over to Timbers versus FC Dallas. This game, I'm having, a, I'm having a little trouble reading this game, I'm going to be honest with you. Timbers plus 104, the books are favoring them for sure. The draws plus two fifty, and Dallas is also plus two fifty as a dog. I, I I don't know. This feels to me like one of those games that could be that wonky MLS game where the dog pulls through. Yeah, I'm complete no touch on this. This is one where pre-pandemic, I love a lot of Timbers home games because of that atmosphere, because of how the team you know uh, feeds off of it. They have some guys who are experienced making deep MLS runs, but I, there's just not enough value there, Tom. I, I don't, you know, there, there are enough question marks with Portland to where I don't, I would need closer to like one and a half or two to one value to take them. Um, this is going to be a no touch for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that there's so many unknowns. The biggest one is going to be, of course, the Timbers lead striker Abobasi missed le- the last month with a concussion. He's going to be back for this game, but how, the, the biggest question is going to be how much rust is there is he going to be able to shake that off and play up to his level? They've lost two DPs to, to ACL tears this season. It's been an absolute brutal year for the Timbers in, on the injury front. But FC Dallas has not been much better. They have absolutely no offense. At the end of October, they scored five, but they scored those five goals against Miami and Houston. In the previous nine games, just four goals. This is a team that's going to struggle to score, and it makes me really hesitant to back them as well. So – I think this game is just going to be so up in the air. I'm with you on a no touch. Now let's move over to the other team in the Cascadia cup rivalry here. The Sounders, they're going to be going up against LAFC and the book has the Sounders at a favorite of plus plus one twenty three. the draws plus two seventy, and you're getting a dollar 90 on LAFC. What are you thinking here? Absolutely love the Sounders at any kind of a plus price in this game. I don't think there's a trio better in this league than Ladero, Jordan Morris, and Raul Rui Diaz. Those guys can score goals like crazy. Ladero and Morris are two of the five MVP candidates, same team. You know, I mean, this is a team that can outclass you on any given day. I think they're much better than this LAFC team. The argument for LAFC would be, oh, maybe they have the best player in the league with Diego Rosti. But wait, you mentioned COVID. Uh, He is most likely not going to play. This game is uh, on Tuesday. I don't have the exact date, but the Tuesday after you're listening to this, um, after the the opening weekend of these playoffs. So there's a chance that they'll be able to get a negative test in in time for him. It is uh, Tuesday the 24th. There you go. They tried the charter flight thing as well with Diego Rossi and also with some other LAFC players. And unfortunately, once they got into the U.S. after the international break, they had positive tests. So right now it's looking like Rossi will not play for LAFC, which would be a huge dagger for them in a matchup that I think was already lopsided, where I already probably would have taken the Sounders. I would recommend taking this price and taking it as soon as you hear this podcast, because it might end up going into minus territory for Seattle as it gets closer to the game. You're right. Uh, of course, Ruidez for the Sounders, he already got the Rona, so he doesn't actually need to quarantine, and he's going to play in that first round. But Diego Rossi, the golden boot winner, 
he's going to be out. I, I don't know. You don't think that, uh, you don't think that trio of Bradley Wright, Phillips, Carlos Vela and Danny Musovsky can do it. I would have said that maybe a year ago. This year has been a little bit different, especially just seeing how good those Sounders dudes I just mentioned have been. I mean, they are just out again, outdoing most of the opponents that they play. Um, the chemistry between them is also incredible. It's not just like individual stars. They really know how to link up together. And, you know, Brian Schmelzer, you trust his experience. You trust a Seattle team to make a deep run more so than an LAFC team. It's an interesting first round matchup. It's a very interesting uh, 2-7, but I'm going Seattle particularly as this stays in plus territory. I might follow you on that. I do like the Sounders in this game. It is one of the unpredictable contests, though, so I, I am of two minds. I am a little bit torn. What I suggest for this game, wait as long as you can. See if they can't get Diego Rossi back. And if they do, go a little nuts here, because this game is finishing with at least five goals in my mind. Go like over one, four one of those and a crazy half. El Traficos uh, over the years. Like LAFC has been in just some insane games. So yeah, I feel that. I feel LAFC's that. their biggest problem. They looked they looked like world beaters last year for most of the season, except for the fact that their defense is just so weak in the back that they and it's what sunk them last year and cost them a, cha- a shot in an MLS Cup. They haven't done too much to fix that. I really think that this game could go over four and a half goals. You're getting plus 250 at DraftKings. That's a total I got to take. It's a fun bet. I don't know. That's a high number, but I respect it. Maybe I'll follow you on that. I need, I need a second to breathe and think about that one. But It's a high half. number. It, it depend, it's a high number for Premier League football. Yeah, yeah. Good point. It is Good not point. a high number for an MLS playoff game between these two teams. It's a fair I, point, Tom. I, I am telling you on that right now, I think that, that we could easily see that happen. All right, Taylor, that is going to wrap up the entire slate of the MLS Round 1 playoff games, except, of course, for one. It is time now. Let's bring on in. She is the host of Sports Saturday, commentator on Sports Radio 810, and host of the final whistle postgame show for Sporting Kansas City. She went to Mizzou, but we won't hold it against her. It is Allie Trost. Allie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Did you guys go to Kansas? What's the deal? I went to Mizzou. Okay. I'm <laughs> I, I, I'm the, we're, we're a different kind of rivalry here. I went to Syracuse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. you're outmatched, Tom. Come on, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I always assume when anyone has something against Mizzou, I'm like, oh, Kansas, obviously. But it's either Kansas or journalism, right? Yep. Or, yeah, those are pretty yeah. much the two things. Syracuse <laughs> is a great J school, though. I work with um, a Syracuse grad and, and used to work with another one as well. So there are a couple of them here in Chiefs Media. So good representation for the Qs there. We're, oh, we're everywhere. We're like locusts. <laughs> <laughs> and we run, a two, we run a two, three zone and we just infect all of sports media. But for now, we are here today to talk about Sporting KC. And of course, to even further this rivalry here, they're going up against my San Jose Earthquakes in yep. this game. The, the odds certainly the – bo- the book certainly seems to know who's going to be coming out on top in this one. SKC's a minus-159 favorite. The Quakes, they're a plus-375 dog, and the draw plus-320. What, what are we looking at with this SKC team? Obviously, this game you – pl- you, you know, you, the game isn't played on paper, but this is an SKC team in the number one spot poised to make a run in these playoffs. 
Yeah, absolutely. But I would also argue that both of these teams are coming into this game as an underdog in their own right. I think for Sporting Kansas City, they've kind of missed out on the national media attention, as they usually do, being that landlocked Midwest representative. But they've been a very consistent team, especially under manager Peter Vermees during his time as coach for the last decade. It's been it's been such a long time, and he's had such success as the manager of this club outside of missing out on the playoffs in 2019. Of course, leads the team and, and brings in the right new pieces to have the single greatest season turnaround in MLS history from 11th in 2019 to first in 2020. So they kind of have that underdog, you know, a lot of, I think, you know, national pundits kind of have cast them out of the conversation. It's all about Seattle. It's all about the leaders in the Eastern conference, but this sporting Kansas city team, very talented. They have a lot of depth. You look at the new pieces they brought in, which have been, um, you know, major contributors and have helped this team achieve that first place spot in the Western Conference. But it's the depth on this team that has gotten them to where they're at now. Um, so I think, you know, from from the perspective of Sporting Kansas City, they've got the depth. They are clearly on paper the favorite. But then you look at the San Jose Earthquakes team, and I'll tell you what, I mean, a, a one seed against an eight seed is usually, okay, one seed by and far, you know, very unlikely to see an upset in this situation. But this Earthquakes team has really come around um, finishing the season with only two losses in their last nine games. And and I, I think that that really does galvanize a group. They've got one of the best leaders in Chris Wondolowski, who is just a, a maniac, it seems like. I read an amazing article in The Athletic just about his time in the league. And, you know, he, he's had such a, a wonderful career in Major League Soccer and a leading goal scorer and, and has just been fantastic for the San Jose Earthquakes. But they've got that underdog mentality and that at one point in the season, people thought they were going to finish in last place in the West and they somehow scratched their way into the eighth seed and make the playoffs. So both teams, I think, have something to prove. They've overcome a lot of adversity in their own in their own right, as every team in every sport in 2020 has. But I think from a talent perspective and offensively, especially looking at sporting Kansas City, it's hard to see how they wouldn't be able to win this game just because of how effectively they've been and efficiently they've been scoring goals and the rate at which they are able to find the back of the net. I think when you can score goals the way that they've been able to this season, I think they only had one game in which they they were shut out. And in that game, they had actually scored the goal in Dallas and it was called back and it was this very controversial thing. So, you know, they're scoring goals at a high rate. And now that their defense has improved significantly during the final stretch of the season, and they're not you know, conceding some of those goals that are costing them a, a win or a draw, that to me just has given them the confidence, I think, that they need going into the playoffs because they look like such a complete team right now, whereas this Earthquakes team is a little chaotic. Uh, I think they have what it takes for an upset, but it's chaos if, if it happens. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, the, I, that, that, that's the Quakes brand is chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Which works sometimes, you know, when you've got a one-and-done playoff format – Sometimes all it takes is a couple of chaotic games if you can take away what a team does really, really well. And then when you've got a goal scorer like Chris Wondolowski, if you are able to shut Sporting Kansas City out in this game and then finally are able to break down a defense that I would say for Sporting Kansas City is legit, but definitely not as solid as teams that have been known uh, for their defense, which in the past, Sporting Kansas City, that's been their 
that's their bread and butter is their defense and what they do defensively. And this season, not to say that they aren't a strong defensive team, it just hasn't been what has carried them, I think, through this season. Um, but it's, like I said, looking a lot stronger now. But if for whatever reason San Jose can take sporting out of the game offensively and in the attack, it could open the door for them to find a late upset that could completely change the outcome of the game. Yeah, I, I think what San Jose does attacking, I mean, you mentioned Wando, you throw in a guy like Christian Espinosa also with the playmaking. Uh, to me, one of the most underrated players in the league, assist machine, 48 chances created, nine assists. Um, I am very confident in what San Jose can do in an attacking sense, even though Sporting's defense has improved and all that. My worry from an earthquakes perspective would be at the other end, right? Worst defense in terms of goals conceded per game, 2.28 a game. The expected goals against average is a little bit more favorable for them. 10th worst in the league, so kind of around the middle. But as I always say with XG and XGA, like once you bring it out to a large sample size, if you're giving up the goals, you're giving up the goals. And they right. certainly have been. Um, you put that up against a sporting team that has so many different guys that can score how tough do you think that matchup is for San Jose's defense? Incredibly tough. And we actually talked with Daniel Slayton, broadcaster of the San Jose Earthquakes, earlier this week on our Sporting Kansas City show. And she was talking about defensively how sporting could maybe expose some weaknesses in the San Jose defense. One of those being that defensively when players get isolated and kind of put on an island in one-on-one -on -one situations, um, you know, whether that's off the counter or the run of play, they, they tend to struggle there. And Johnny Russell, uh, forward for Sporting Kansas City, who's been a cornerstone of this club since he joined in 2018, does that better than, I would argue, anyone in the league. He's definitely up there in those one-on-one -on -one situations. He likes being, uh, you know, put up against a player and coming at them with full speed and forcing them to make a move because he can usually, with his footwork, get around them, take it to the end line, and then get something across or cut in and, and put himself in a scoring position. So you've got a player like Johnny Russell. Um, off the counter, you know, in transition, the San Jose defense has really struggled. You've got one of the speediest players who I think has really taken a step forward this season in Gerso Fernandez. And we haven't even talked about yet the, the, the main piece in all of this for sporting this year and forward Alan Polito, who they acquired, um, the Mexican striker who is just, I mean, one of the just most quality players I've ever watched. And it's interesting, though, because sporting, they've been forced to play without him more than you would want to be without a player that you spend that kind of money on and really game plan around. He's only played about half of the total minutes available in the regular season for sporting. And yet they still finished top of the West. If he's healthy and available, he's currently dealing with a bit of a knee injury. If he's available, Dottie Kinda had also popped up on the injury report. Um, then you've got Kyrie Shelton, who's also played out on the wing. He's played at the nine. Eric Hurtado has been one of the most efficient scorers and, and, very few minutes on the field this season, a great super sub option um, who kind of has embraced the role. A lot of fans were arguing about, well, he should be getting more minutes when you look at the goals he scored, but his role on the team is to really come off the bench and disrupt the defense. So they just, like you mentioned, have so many different types of weapons in their attack that do different things and do them very well. And it's hard to game plan for all of it. So that's why I do have confidence that Sporting will find a way to break down San Jose's, San Jose's defense and score. But what's so unique with this San Jose team, and I'm interested to hear this on, from you two, uh, and what Danielle Slayton had said, was that they've kind of 
drifted away from that one-on-one -on -one man marking system that they had stuck to for such a large part of the season after that 7-1 loss against Seattle. Um, head coach Matias Almeida was like, you know, maybe we need to adjust some things a little bit. And they've since been more flexible in their game plan and in their approach strategically on the field. So I think that that could be something that's really intriguing in this game is how much they balance that style of play versus maybe playing a bit more zone and less man to man. Um, but I think that this game could potentially be one in the midfield. I, I think that that's where you're going to see who's really controlling the better half of this game. So that's what I'm, I'm going to be having my eye on. I, I think for me, the, when it's going to come down to the Quakes, are either going to grind out a victory. Like every Quakes game is the same way. They're either going to grind out a victory or SKC is going to play them off out of the park in the first half. And that's going to be all she wrote. It's, it's always so frustrating watching this Quakes team and seeing that. But as Danielle said, the switch off of the man-marking system definitely helped. And the other big thing that really changed the game for the Quakes this season because they, they have been the strangest team. You go back to the MLS's back tournament, and that Palato Almeida magic that happens in these single elimination tournaments, he's able to get those funky results and drive the team on deep runs like he did in that tournament. And then all of a sudden you come back to the regular season and the team just falls so flat. But now they started playing the kids. Cade Cowell uh, has been getting a lot more time. JT Marshanowski finally going in goal because, oh man, was it just absolutely frustrating with Vega watching him week in and week out. And now those guys that came up through a Quakes Academy system that has produced some pretty good players has finally started making this team look good. So I think it is, it is just going to be one of those exciting games. I think the Quakes could pull it out, but if they do, it's going to be by the skin of their teeth. Well, and I think the kids, like that aspect is going to be a really interesting storyline because Sporting Kansas City, they've also been a team that's benefited right. from playing their kids this season um, and really seeing the fruits of their labor on the academy level and players like Gianluca Bustio, who for seven games this season had to step in and play the defensive midfielder role for Ilya Sanchez, who was back home dealing with family issues in Barcelona. Ilya had played that position pretty much exclusively had never really shared the reps with anybody. And Busio stepped in and did a phenomenal job. I think Elie is not going to lose that role, but the way that Busio kind of made it his own and performed at a level, I think that impressed people because there had been, I think some back and forth with how far along is this Busio kid? Some people were like, I see it. Others were like, eh, I don't necessarily see it as much. And I think his versatility that was put on display when he did have to step into that role and then transition back to attacking mid, even getting some time out on the wing. He's been a huge part of this Sporting Kansas City team. And like I mentioned earlier, the depth of this squad is what I believe will truly carry them. I know Alan Polito gets a lot of the love and, and the spotlight, but this team would not be where they were with just Alan Polito. They've needed to pull from their bench time and time again to get the results that they did and to grind out some of those close games and get wins even when they were missing players due to injury or due to COVID. So I think, you know, John Luca Busio being one, Jalen Lindsay, this is, I think, going to be a, an interesting thing to watch throughout the playoffs for sporting. They lose Graham Zussi, their veteran wingback, to a season-ending injury. And they don't really have a lot of depth uh, in their fullback roles on defense. It's really going to be Jalen Lindsay playing all, all or most minutes at right back. And then Amadou Diaz has been a young player who was drafted by Sporting Kansas City and then played at the USL level for a couple of years and then came back to Sporting 
and has since done a phenomenal job for them at left back, getting up um, in the attack, playing the way that Burmese wants their wing backs to play and being able to not just defend really, really well, but to add a new element to their attack. I mean, his the way he is able to get the ball across and create on the wing is something that Sporting Kansas City, I think, one, always tries to do with their wing backs. But if you have the right player who can do it really well, like Amadou Dia can, um, it's it's definitely made the team better. And he was the one who assisted the phenomenal Eric Hurtado volley out of thin air that won the sporting goal of the year. So again, you know, just another combination of players who are able to not just, uh, or who are able to create in the attack. But like I said, Dia is a phenomenal defender and has earned the left back spot over Luis Martins, but they are lacking some depth defensively. And I think that's going to be something that could hurt them if, things don't go their way. And whether that's COVID or injury related, that's the one thing I'm really nervous about with this playoffs for every team. MLS just recently came out and said, look, you can't play because of COVID. You're probably going to have to forfeit if you don't have enough players to play. Yeah, we were talking uh, before you hopped on, Ali, about the situation in the Seattle LAFC game um, where Diego Rossi comes back from the international break and the COVID <sighs> positive test for him um and that's not exclusive to that matchup i mean it is across the league across sports around the world right now yeah to be honest um it really is you know you mentioned the polito thing like the offensive depth for sporting is incredible because i fell into this trap at the beginning of the year if you were on social media when it was announced that alan polito was going to sporting especially if you understand any spanish the excitement for people who follow liga mx and the yes. mexican national team was off the charts and immediately i was like okay this is going to be one of the guys to watch this season. You think he lived up to the hype, though, huh? Absolutely. I mean, this team is a much better team when he's on the field. The players on Sporting would say that. Vermees would say it. It is what they're able to do when he's on the field is phenomenal. And it's not just him being a clinical goal scorer. It's the way that he creates and the the in-between-the-lines play. We, we always kind of laugh because – he doesn't play a true number nine. It's And it's like kind of a false nine. Like we call it the nine and three quarters because the way that he drops back and combines with the midfield is just so, it's so beneficial for what sporting does, especially on the wings. There was one goal in particular this year against FC Cincinnati where he combines with Gotti Kinda. He, he runs like an outside route on the left-hand side. And as he's making that play, an FC Cincinnati defender is closing in and you have to go back and watch it a few times because his, his field awareness and his vision is just, it's second to none. I mean, I've never seen a player in, especially in Major League Soccer, who has the type of field awareness that he does. But as he's running the route, you quickly see him turn his head. He recognizes Roger Espinoza moving into the box. And he could have, he had options across the goal, you know, kind of if he had just tried to sweep it across and, and find someone right in front of the net to, to just kind of pop it in, but instead he plays it back to an unmarked Roger Espinoza who then just buries it. And, and Espinoza had a funny quote after the game where he's like, oh my gosh, I was like, just thinking, do not bomb this over the top. But that was just a great example, I think, of Alan Pelusa, not just as a great finisher and a great striker, but a great creator as well. And I think that that's been something that is a bit underrated because when you bring in a player like him, it's like, oh, how many goals does he get to score? How many, you know, like what what are his numbers and stats going to be you know in front of net and it's really been um what he's done to create opportunity that has benefited a sporting team that does have a lot of talent in the attack but sometimes you just need that piece to bring it all together 
one underrated thing I think that gets left out of the conversation with sporting Kansas City a lot is the absence of Felipe Gutierrez in the midfield and just how not like it didn't hurt the team because they finished atop of the West, but I think it's the difference between the sporting team being a really, really good team and a great dominant team. And I'm really excited to see when he's hopefully back next season, what it looks like to have Gotti Kinda, um, Felipe Gutierrez and Alan Polito working together because it's going to be something special. Now, Ali, can you explain something to me? Because looking at the numbers, SKC, of course, is the one seed in the West. They've put together a great season, yet seventh in the futures market right now at plus 900. No respect. It's crazy. <laughs> what's, what's going on? This team isn't getting any respect from the book. I think it comes down to two things. Number one, I think that defensively, this team has had its peaks and valleys this season. And I think that there are a lot of people still wondering, is it legit? You know, is it, are the improvements that we've seen over the final stretch of games of the season enough to carry them through the playoffs? And, you know, that's a back line that has undergone a lot of changes this season. Matt Beasler really no longer in the starting rotation and he hasn't played a game. I think he was dealing with an injury, but after he was healed from that injury has not played a minute since. And I want to say it's been at least a couple of months. Roberto Puncic has been huge for this team. And really there's been a a rotating door at the second center back position. Who's going to play next to Roberto Puncic and Puncic has been phenomenal, kind of that underrated player. But when you're a center back and you're not being talked about, isn't that kind of a good thing? Because it means you're not really making a lot of mistakes, but they also brought in Winston Reed ahead of 2020. He, now that he's healthy has been, you know, just a great veteran presence and they play really well off of each other. And same with Andre Ufantas, who also got healthy and has been uh, a nice complimentary piece next to Roberto Puncic. But outside of that, you know, like I said, Graham Zussi's out for the season. You've got a young player in Jalen Lindsay who doesn't have a lot of experience, has gotten better each game since he's taken over that starting job. But, you know, still questions of legitimacy. And once you get into the playoffs, there is the extra pressure, the limelight, and, and can this sporting defense hold? Are they as legitimate as they've appeared to become over this stretch. So I I think the defense has been a a big question and they've been a bit suspect (laughs) with the sporting team. And, and I think that if they are to, to lose in the playoffs at any point, it will come down to something, a shortcoming on defense. The second thing, and the second reason I think that they are not getting as much love as far as being a playoff favorite strength of schedule. They haven't played the, you know, the Portland Timbers, the Seattle Sounders, LAFC even, who of course, as we know, didn't have the season that they did last year, but are still a very talented team. So, and that's hard, I think, with just about every team you look at, right? I mean, what's your measuring, what's, where do you measure up against? Like Sporting's only really played Houston Dynamo, FC Dallas, Minnesota United, and Colorado. And those teams are are good, you know, quite a few of them are in the playoffs, but they're not great. And I think that that's where the, um, you know, the question marks still kind of come for sporting. Is their defense as good as they were looking towards the end of the season? And, you know, what's up with their with their strength of schedule? Are they as good as they've looked? And if they had had to play some tougher opponents, would they be first in the West? So I think that that's the reason. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's right because I don't, you know, I, I don't personally agree with it. Um, and I watch this team, you know, every single week. But I, I can understand why when you look at those two things, they would – maybe not be a favorite just for people who don't watch the team as often. 
Yeah, we talked about this earlier, the difference in scheduling. It's You almost have to look at it a little bit more like it's college football or something because it's so yeah. imbalanced across the board. Um, but it, it means that there is some value to be had from a gambling perspective. Um, let's try to move on here, but first let's get some picks as far as this game is concerned, Sporting and San Jose. Um, I, I am very confident that Sporting is going to win this game. I have some some wood right here that I will knock uh, next to me. The problem is the numbers aren't totally there. The books have kind of figured that out as well. Um, the play that I'm looking at, and I'll, I'll you know uh, pick your brain on this as well, Tom, Sporting minus one, slight plus value at plus 106. Now, I'm always here on the show hating minus one goal lines because it's like oh like you're only betting for that push protection you're not betting for the win you're betting for the tie but in this case I think sporting really could win this game by two goals or more based on what we just talked about with the quakes defense based on the fact that I can't really get a good price for sporting just to win the game on the money line um and you know I get a slight plus price there as well what do you think about that Allie is that kind of crazy no I think and I think you bring up a good point the way that San Jose has lost this season. And when they lose, it's because the floodgates open and and goals just, once they start coming, they don't seem to stop. And I look at a game for Sporting Kansas, or I look at a couple of games for Sporting. When they played the Colorado Rapids and had that huge, just like, they just popped off. I mean, they were scoring left and right. They won four to nothing. They opened the season with two games. against The first against Vancouver, they won three to one. And then the second against the Houston Dynamo, which they won at home four to nothing. So like Sporting can score a lot of goals, like we have mentioned. Like they have no problem scoring goals. It's just a matter of like getting that first goal, which is always so important in Major League Soccer is to get the first goal and then try to break everything down from there because that can be the difference of a win or a loss. But I, I like I like sporting score. Like I, if I had to pick a, a, a score line for this game, I'd probably say three to one sporting Kansas City. That'll do. I, I, could, I could see it going, the way I see it, I could see it going sporting scores first or San Jose scores first. Sporting ties it, San Jose ties it, and then Sporting Kansas City just continuing their their uh, their offensive attack and just finding ways to to get the ball in the back of the net. So I, I like that one actually. You know, Tom? you're supposed to bet with your head, not your heart. But <laughs> oh man, at the end of the day, <sighs> I got my I got my scarf. Yeah, I got my oh, Wando oh, jersey. Oh, geez. I didn't know these merched out. My goodness. Oh, yeah. I'm always merched out. But, <laughs> oh, man, it's just the goodies never say die quakes have come back <laughs> this season. And this has been the most bizarre year for them. There's a little bit of magic here. Wando this week just said he's thinking about coming back for one more season. I want more than anything to see that happen. I uh, this is I do not advise for anyone listening to the show to follow me on this play because they are such prohibitive dogs. They are by far and away the least talented on paper team that is in these playoffs. It makes no sense. But Almeida's been able to do some weird stuff in tournament style brackets, and this team has that little bit of magic. And I'm just, I'm betting, I'm betting with the Wando magic. Wow. That's, that's all. So that's professional all Tom. Jeez. But, but you know what I, and this is something where in the, the new age of sports where it's like analytics, 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 that element of it gets left out time and time again. And I actually think, especially in soccer, 
there and really any team sport but like in soccer for me just having played and, and following it so closely that does really matter and i think that where this earthquakes team is right now they have bought in with matias almeida a coach who was on the hot seat at one point this season is he going to have a job with this team next year you know it, there was a, a big question of what they were doing tactically and just what the future of this club looked like and then i also think oh, side of this I think the team plays for a player like that it's hard not to and so when you've got that you know a little bit of like you called it magic uh that's you know influencing and driving a team it can change the outcome of a game and if there's one upset when I look at the entire bracket especially in the west that is the one that I actually feel like is the most realistic for reasons that aren't any in any way rooted in logic but are just simply rooted in the just chaotic nature of the San Jose earthquakes. But I think the other interesting thing is, you know, Sporting Kansas City, they've allowed fans to attend games. They'll probably be, I, I haven't looked at the Eastern Conference, but I'm pretty sure they are like the only team, at least in the West, hosting a playoff game that will have fans in attendance. And I know San Jose, they have not played in front of fans at home this season. And Sporting Kansas City fans, even just in 18% capacity, are very, very loud and very, very passionate. That can motivate both sides. But when it's your home team during a playoff game and you've got that kind of extra bit of, I, I don't know, you know, motivation for the fans and the team, I think that can – I'm really interested to see what that looks and sounds like come Sunday. Yeah. I mean, this is not just pandering, but Kansas City, great soccer town. I didn't realize this until I went to school in Missouri. I mean, it is a very passionate group. Um, we This has been a wrinkle in a lot of what Tom and I have talked about this season, especially in like, say, the UEFA Champions League, where you have a lot of particularly in Eastern Europe teams allowing fans, but like England, no fans when you come back and talking about like, are there advantages to that or not? So far on paper, there haven't been, but that's a little tricky because the English teams are so much better than say the Russian teams that are allowing fans, right? Right. Um, but you look at the, the home field thing is interesting before we get off of this game really quick. Sporting 13-1-1 in 15 home matches against San Jose since 2004 in all competitions. I mean, with with some fans in the building, I'm just throwing that out there, Tom. I, I appreciate your your fandom. You're the guy who, who cheers in the press box, right? But, you know. Oh, I, I know. I, I, it's, it's, it's wildly unprofessional. This is the only team that holds <laughs> a place like this in my heart. Again, all logic points to SKC winning this game. I am fully aware of that. I also think, too, when you give Peter Vermees as much time as he's had to prepare for this game, they're going to be more than enough prepared. And yeah. if they are fully healthy and have all of their players that they would like to use available, it's hard for me to see them losing when they have all of those things working for them. So that's another thing. Really quick, uh, player props, because I like to look at this just to be a moron sometimes. Um, as far as who will score first in this Ooh, game. I like this one. Okay, so I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, I'm going to sound like a real idiot if, he's, if he has some sort of an injury problem that I didn't realize. But Roger Espinosa, I think, is he about to have his 300th appearance in this game? Is that correct? Or 299th? Yeah, I saw that stat somewhere. So it it's something like that. I Insane. mean, he's played an, a number of, he's, yeah, if he hasn't hit it yet, he's yeah. either a game or so away. So 24 to one to score first. And it's only two games ago, he scored first for SKC. I, that's a pretty incredible number, 24 to one. Am I insane? Yeah. So the thing with Ro Roger is that I, I want to say in 2018, 19, 
probably not 19, but 2018, he was coming off of his like best season as far as scoring is concerned. I mean, his role is not to score goals. He's an attacking mid. He's kind of their bulldog who just creates problems in the midfield. But seeing the way that he scored that goal, that very crucial goal against FC Cincinnati, you know, he can score when he's put in the position to score. I just don't know if I'd, but, but like, again, this game could be very chaotic in that I, I just, if I had to put my money on anyone, <laughs> I would go with a Johnny Russell or an Alan Polito sure. to score first for sporting. Sure. Like uh, Roger just doesn't score enough goals where I would put my money on him to be the first to score, but I don't know what the numbers say. Right. So Tom knows this. I, I can actually pull him up. I had him up um, that I pretty much on these player first goal score score anytime. That's I just take like the crazy ones um, yeah. because they are pretty random. Um, let me see if I'm going to just pull this up really quick as I stall and talk about me loading this <laughs> on my screen. Uh, <laughs> here we go. So, yeah, Johnny Russell, four to one, Polito, four to one. Uh, Saloy uh, plus 450, then you get Wando plus 600, Fernandez 650, Hurtado 650, Shelton 650, Kinda 750, and the list goes on. Uh, uh, so you like one of those favorites there, Allie? Yeah, I do. I think um, th- those have just been the most consistent goal scorers. And the, and the thing with Johnny Russell in particular He's a player who scores in in big moments. He's been a very clutch goal scorer for Sporting Kansas City. We talk about Gerso Fernandez from time to time, and he scored um, some great goals for Sporting, but they always seem to come at the times where it, like, doesn't really matter. You know, it's, like, almost just padding the stat sheet a bit, whereas Johnny Russell really is that that clutch player. And I think that's why, I mean, just from the fan side, that's why they love him so much is because he doesn't only score, like – really insane goals that are just exciting, but they happen in really big moments. So if I had to pick that player would be Johnny Russell. And he also hasn't scored in quite some time. He had a a stretch of games where he was scoring pretty consistently. And I think you're going to see maybe fired up Johnny Russell ready to get back in and start pumping some goals in the back of the net. I like that. That's interesting. The not having scored in a while is actually something I always am into. Yeah. So I I mean, well, yeah, while you guys are talking, I'll try to pull up um, his stats in the last time he scored because he was, scoring some really important goals for sporting but it was also at the time that they were leaking a lot of like they were conceding a lot of goals as well so he i want to say scored a brace in a game that they ended up losing three to two so it was yeah johnny russell scoring goals but it's like they didn't get the win and, and obviously you know it's great to score goals as a player but you want to see your team win uh, but it's been i want to say at least like maybe seven or eight games since he scored i need to look I, at the exact number i did not realize that at all um tom are you gonna have to take wando i assume right uh, if anything, I like Wando is last to score. Wando's okay. not the first to score. Wando's the guy you take <laughs> last to score because that's the, if if he's gonna make the goal, it's gonna be the one at the end in stoppage time to put the quakes over the top. Like that's just how he operates. But I would heavily advise anyone looking to bet any of these props, especially the scoring props. Uh, Danny Hoosen at eight to one for the San Jose Earthquakes. I would recommend you stay very far away from that. He hasn't played in over half a season and is out for the year. And I can't believe they haven't even, even have him listed here. That, that was a good, okay. you could have fooled some people there. <laughs> so I have, I have the Johnny Russell numbers here. So he scored in his third straight game in a two, one loss to Orlando city on September 23rd. Since then he's assisted three times, but has not scored since September 23rd and Johnny Russell 
I can tell you, is a player who you want on the field when it's playoff time and you need a goal or you're trying to completely break down an opposing defense, which I think he's going to be a big player to watch in this game for like not even just scoring, but just in creating that kind of disruption in the attack. He, I think he's going to be a key part in that. Now, Allie, let's move away from sporting Kansas city here and talk about, do you have any other dark horse picks, maybe another team you're looking at? So the one team, and this is not, I'm, I'm hopping over to the Eastern conference now and we'll, find out very soon whether or not I'm correct in this because they are in one of the, the play-in games in the Eastern Conference, and that's the New England Revolution. I don't think that their record is indicative of the type of team they are. They have experience. They have depth. They're defensively a pretty sound team. They also have one of the winningest coaches in U.S. history in Bruce Arena. Uh, that I, I really like and, and feel like you know what they do on the field is not necessarily translated to wins, but of course when you are in a one-and-done format, it kind of doesn't really matter what you did during a stretch of games in the regular season, as long as you can win just the game in front of you. And I think that this revolution team could be in a good position to do that. So that's my dark horse. They literally play on Friday. So we'll know very soon whether or not they're a good team, but that's like my dark horse. And, and if, if this, if this airs or you're watching it after that game and I was wrong, Yikes. If not, I'm a genius and I got it right. So, so what, what is the ceiling on that dark horse to win the play in game or to maybe make a deep just run? Make a deep run. I think, um, I, I mean, I'm going to pull up the bracket here. I, and here's the hard thing as well with this year's playoffs. Um, I, I really feel for LAFC right now with COVID positives, international duty, and a number of other things. This team, I think had a really good chance even being a seven seed to come in and, and really make a run and, and upset a two seed Seattle. But when you look at the challenges that they're up against, I don't, don't know if they're going to have enough to defeat a Seattle team that is just a really, really solid team. I mean, the clear number two behind sport in Kansas City, Portland also dealing with a bit of adversity. They lose um, two of their three DPs and, you know, just kind of dealing with injuries at the wrong time, which is always hard. And FC Dallas is just an annoying team. Like they are just like that team that is like it, Sporting's had some very fiery games against them, time wasting tactics, just kind of dirty, not, you know, in line with the purest version or, you know, purest way of, of soccer. And so they're a team that I think could be a bit scrappy, which could get them a playoff win into the next round. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I fully expect in the Eastern conference it to be either Philadelphia or Toronto. I think Philadelphia has been by and far one of the most complete, just great teams. They're just a great team. Uh, but as we've seen great teams who have really good regular seasons, don't always go on to win the playoffs, cough, cough, LAFC in 2019. So, um, I think you could see a team that maybe isn't as much of a favorite like Sporting Kansas City come in and win the whole thing. They've also got a little bit of, you know, the motivation from falling short in 2018, which wasn't that long ago. They hated the way it felt to not make the playoffs for the first time in nearly a decade last year. And that is a motivating factor for not just Vermees, but players who were on that team last year. Um, and then when you've got the talent and the depth and aren't dealing with a ton of injuries and if they can, stay clear of, of COVID positives and, you know, God forbid an outbreak. I think that they've got a real shot against a Philadelphia team who really embarrassed them in the MLS's back tournament. So they're going to, they're going to look back on that game and, and want that one back, I think, because they did not come out the way that they would have 
that they are used to playing, that they typically play. That just did not look like a sporting Kansas City team. Yeah, I'm I'm staying away from Philly. I like anyone who's watched a lot of MLS this year would be like, well, you're crazy. This is one of the best teams in the league, but very inexperienced when it comes to this time of year. That's and true. Just looking at the numbers, right? So like in a vacuum, I think Philadelphia could of course make a deep run, but them being the favorites plus 400, keep in mind that is a price that is worse that you could have gotten Bayern Munich to win the Champions League. Uh, at the beginning of this year at a better price. And I have a lot more trust in Bayern Munich than I do in a Philadelphia team that just hasn't shown me at this time of year that they can get it done. Um, so well, and not I'm, to mention, not to mention, they will likely, likely have to play Orlando, which is a team that I think is a really solid playoff contending team. And Oscar Prey has done a fantastic job with them. Um, and then just looking at the contributions they've gotten from Nani, Chris Mueller. I mean, they are, to me, another – and Sporting played them this season, and defensively they were a really tough team to break down as well. And Daryl DK, one of the best young players in the league as well. I mean, I'm an Atlanta United fan, so I hate Orlando. Sorry to our Central Florida <laughs> listeners, but they're an actual team now. Like in past years, they have yeah. had some really embarrassing performances, and they are tough to play. I don't think anyone wants to play Orlando no. uh, right now. Um, I'm looking at the futures market for a, um, yeah, I guess you would, you would definitely call this a dark horse as well down the list. Columbus Crew at 18 to 1. Now, first of all, it's just the value that stands out for me. They could totally lose uh, in the first round. This is the caveat for so many of these, right? It's like, this team could win it all or they could go out in the first round. It's, it's boring to say that, but it's true. Um, you're laying minus 113. Tom and I talked about this game earlier in their game against the Red Bulls, but I think they're close to, you know, at, all of these games could go either way, but they're as close to a lock, I think, in that first round as you're going to find with what's happening with the Red Bulls right now the limbo situation in between coaches, all of that. On the other side for Columbus, what Caleb Porter has done, you're talking about a guy who's experienced this time of year, has won MLS Cup before, gets his man Darlington Nagby back into this team and is able to kind of center the entire system around him. I think Nagby is one of the best players in this league and one of the most underrated. Zardis is still scoring goals. Um, I wouldn't take Columbus if they're one of the three or four favorites, but at 18-1, to one, I think it's an interesting flyer. I'm a big fan of. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm a big fan of Toronto at eight to one because I think that if you're not going to back the Union in coming out of the East, you have to be back in Toronto, as you said, Allie. Yes, Michael Bradley is garbage, but they've still got a good team. Josie can still score. Seriously, once again, he is garbage. He is just. This is an anti-Michael Bradley podcast for our listeners, just so you know. Well, what year are we recording the podcast then? I guess that's what, that's what it depends <laughs> This on. is the year 2020. Evergreen. Evergreen yeah. statement. <laughs> yes. No, I, but like when I look at this bracket, and I mean, I actually, if I had to put money on an Eastern Conference team or a Western Conference team winning the whole thing, I would say Eastern Conference. I think it's this year, it's been a, the tougher conference to play in. Um, when you look at the semis for the Eastern Conference, I mean, it's a it's going to be really tough to get to the conference final in that Eastern bracket. I mean, you could you could see Toronto and Columbus facing off in the semis, and those are two teams that are, have just been, you know, like you said, I think two likely MLS Cup final opt. Like, you wouldn't shake your head at someone who would put either of those teams in the MLS Cup final. 
um, it's going to be a tough road, a tougher than again. And like, that's another thing for sporting Kansas city. If they can get past San Jose, don't get caught up in any of the things that could result in an upset and then face a Minnesota or Colorado team that they've seen literally a hundred times already this season. I think they have a pretty easy road to the conference final. And I think when you look at Portland, Seattle and LAFC all being in the same little whatever you would call it, part of, section of the bracket, there that to me is the tougher way out of the West versus Sporting Kansas City, who I think in a way have a bit of an easier route to the conference final. But it, it's an interesting – this whole season has just been wild, but it's going to be crazy. It's where seeding ended up mattering for Sporting, getting that one seed exactly. really helped them. Yeah, for, and, and not just for the home field advantage, but just for, you know, again, the, the matchups that they're going to have. Um, where, yeah, you look at Seattle and Portland end, ending up in the second and third seed, and now they're like FC Dallas is not an easy team to play. I, I, I don't think that they're a, a solid enough MLS Cup final team, but I think that they're going to cause, you know, wreak havoc for any team that they face in the MLS, you know, Cup playoff run. And, and then LAFC again, maybe not as much now because of all of what they're up against, but another team that is just. They're, they're talented if they've got the players there, but I, I think Seattle now, given all that they're up against, is going to come out with that one. Well, I, I think that none of it's going to matter because all of our listeners are going to be getting really rich after the Quakes cash at 200 <laughs> to one. <laughs> we'll see about that. I, again, if I'm I, my score prediction for that game, three to one, I think Johnny Russell, I think that that's a good bet to, for the scoring first, but again, and that's a really hard bet to make in an MLS, I think, because it's not like in the NFL where you can just kind of look at targets and who's right. like the main playmaker for a team and, and, you know, situations that they might be put in against a certain type of defense. Are they taking away the deep ball or, you know, like, are, are they going to run the ball more against, you know, the, the defense that they're up against? So all of those different things like soccer, you just really can't do that. It literally could be a situation where Roger Espinosa just puts a random I'm pop ball it. into like, yeah. it, it could be that like that is, you know, that's a really tough bet I think to make. And especially when you have a team that has so many goal scorers on it, it almost makes it to me an impossible bet to make because we've seen goals come from a lot of different players for sporting Kansas city this year. Allie, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure. This has been so much fun. It's going to be a really fun playoff run before we get going here. Taylor, do you want to run through best bets? Really quickly this week in best bets, going back to the Prem uh, briefly, over three and a half in Liverpool. Leicester, we mentioned that they're going to be playing beach chairs as defenders for Liverpool with all of the injuries and situations they have, getting plus 148 there, taking the over three and a half. Um, Jurgen Klopp stick- actually just texted me. He's wondering uh, if you and I can play uh, play on that back line this week. I, I will do it for free, gladly. Um Elsewhere in MLS individual games, I mentioned this earlier, Columbus crew minus 113. I want to fade this Red Bulls team completely. And with what's happening with LAFC, I wouldn't mind waiting for the lineup, but eventually I think you need to take the Sounders right now. They're at plus 123. So those are my three best bets. All right, I am with you. My best bet, my number one best bet is crew minus 113. I hate to mirror your bet, but that's one that's just too too good, which means, of course, we'll be seeing the Red Bulls in the next round. But yep. that's where I'm going. Crew minus 113. All three of my bets in MLS. I really like Nashville to take down Miami because, again, I'm still not convinced Miami's an actual franchise. I think that they are just a FIFA ultimate team in disguise. 
and it has not worked out for them so far. But, hey, they're in the playoffs, but I still can't believe they ever actually managed to play a game. But that's a different story about my beliefs in them, like in the whole run-up and how cartoonish it all seemed. Nashville, plus 155. I like them in round one. They're a team that's going to be able to play a little bit of a spoiler. They play that counter-attacking bunker style that serves well in these kind of playoff games. And then let's go down the list here. I got to make a decision. Going Sounders plus 123. I think that they get past LAFC here. That's going to be my third best bet. Allie, yeah. once again, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have a best bet for the week? I, I'm, I'm actually, I agree with all of you guys. I, I'm trying to think. <laughs> if I, like, I'm looking at the list right now of like a, a one that I could say that you guys haven't already said. Um, I guess, it, like, should I go with, I mean, like, I, I'm telling you guys, I really, I believe in the New England Revolution. I, like uh, but I don't know if I, I Do don't know it. if I feel that confident. I don't know if I feel that confident. I'm just saying I don't want to. I don't want anyone to spend their money in the wrong way by listening to this dumb <laughs> nah, here. No, nah, lock um, it I, in. I, lock I, it in. Lock we're going to lock it in. And I also really do, I, you know, as much as we've talked about the ways that this Sporting and San Jose game could go, I think you could safely place a bet that Sporting Kansas City will win that game. I think that even I have to agree with you. Save this for the coldest takes. And <laughs> Will do. This has been Betting the High Line with Tom Viola and Taylor Wilson, our special guest, Ali Trost. Thank you once again so much for joining us today. It has been a blast. Hopefully we can have you back. Well, maybe I don't hope that we can have you back to talk about SKC in the final, but hopefully we can talk about <laughs> SKC in the final and bring you back on. Where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Ali Trost. I was on Twitter way back in like 2009, so I was able to secure that that handle oh, with no no clutch. dashes, no numbers, just at A L Y T R O S T. And I'm not cool on Instagram, and Facebook is irrelevant. So you really just follow me on Twitter. I tweet way too often, so that's where to find me. <laughs> What's Taylor, going on with the pie you? with the pie bracket, Ali? Is that uh, all out now? Yeah, or? people get fired up. I need. I'm already fired up. I, I, I saw a couple, I, and I, I already have some takes. But we that's another one. It, it is, but I love brackets. Um, Got to do the finals for pie. I believe it's um, pecan and pumpkin. No surprise there for the Thanksgiving pie final. We've also got sides. That got a bit contentious Ooh. because some people don't believe mac and cheese is a side. Don't believe. Disagreed what? with Whoa. my seating. There, there are just so many potato and you know yeah, cheesy options. It's kind of hard to like see you know seed them properly. I was also surprised there are way too many people that like cranberry and like candied yams. I'm like, who are you? Like, let's get with the times <laughs> here. Sorry if you guys like those, but um, but overall it's been going well. So yeah, you can go vote in my Thanksgiving sides and pies bracket. Very very hard pressing journalism sports talk here on my Twitter page. Thanksgiving, my, candy, my final take. Thanksgiving people go nostalgia over taste too often with Thanksgiving foods. That's all I'm saying. Agreed. Agreed. Thanksgiving is a trash holiday and it is oh, worthless on. and Thanksgiving food is bad. There's a reason we only eat it once a year. Taylor, where oh, can yeah. people find you? A-T-L-T-W-I-L, the most convoluted. Not, not as simple as Allie's. Now, are you also that on the Book It Sports app? No, I'm T-W-I-L on the Book It Sports app. Oh, I could change it. I could change it. We'll, we'll have that, that behind the scenes talk. We'll, we'll do that behind the scenes. You can find me at TV at work, both on Twitter and on the Book It Sports app. Once again, available out now on the App Store. We've got some hot new updates coming out. The app gets better and better every week. Follow us on there. We, send, we post all of our predictions and best bets. 
Um, we're going to have soccer lines on the app soon. So we'll be able to post all of the bets that we're making. It is a great service, a great app. Thank you so much for book it, for powering the podcast. And in the meantime, that's going to do it for us. We will see you next week. Ali, thank you so much. One more time for joining us, everybody. We hope you have a good weekend betting.